Pick up your paintbrush. It's time for Hobby Support Group. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Tom. Hello, listeners. Ed is joining me this evening as we take a gander through the gallery while we look at what has been created in September and October. Apologies, listeners, we're not intending on purpose to do galleries every two months, and it only does feel like a couple of weeks since we did the last one, but we discovered it's nearly two months. So here we go, better late than never, with a gallery. And we will kick off with Andy, as he's not here, so let's talk to his maybe possibly inappropriate use of pre-painted figures, which is slipping (laughs) into the gallery. Andy, what are you up to? Um, So Andy has a thing in lots of his terrain projects, he has zombie Steve Rogers, which he uses a scale. And this is the first bit of one of his objective marker treasure things that he's built yeah. with some bits of tat they are talking about. And I think this is quite a cool little treasure chest objective marker. Best gash, right? One of the chests, uh, they're resin chests, and one of them exploded when it was being made. So he used that to kind of uh, uh, give it a kind of ruined effect. So it, 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 it's another classic example of Andy using any old uh, any old tat to kind of spin gold out of um, whatever it is. Hey, I guess. Um, so yeah, no, we we use this um, as an object, a, a piece of scenery for our recent games of the Doomed, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a good old bit of ruin. Well, moving on to uh, the, the next bit of. Andy's masterworks out of tat, possibly you know, the book in the works there, is the like trailer slash mobile home that yeah. he made out of bits of plastic card and all sorts of things. And I think this is brilliant. Yeah, no, it's really good. I think I think this is great. And I think it's also like a really useful bit of terrain that I think can work really well in something like The Doomed, you know, yeah. some sci-fi thing. But also if you're, you know, if you're doing like The Blob or something like that and you need a trailer or, or a home, it just works great, and I've, I've no idea what it's made out of. I assume it's just bits he found knocking about, but it, it looks some like of it, mm, some of it is packaging from a mobile phone, uh, bo- uh, from a box for a mobile phone. It's great. I think it's yeah. really just clever bits of rubbish, and then something that he actually did buy, but you know, for I think about seventy-five p, is a pen holder from Wilco's. Yep. Which again, just. Again, looks like a sort of, you know, is it a cage for gas bottles? Is it some sci-fi future demon prison? Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, just think it works. And I think the like quick and dirty mottled green page with some great weather on it just makes it look more than usable. Absolutely, I think, yeah. I think it looks like a piece of actual terrain. And you don't look at it and go instantly, oh, that's just a desk caddy. Mm-hmm. At least I don't. Um, yeah, it's got beer mats to kind of give it a roof, um, and uh, yeah, there's, there's also grime inside. He's put some flock and stuff to give the impression that there's, you know, a creature may have been living there in not particularly good conditions and has now escaped to wreak havoc. But then moving on from Andy's tat, you know, we'll make it a better name. You should come on the gallery again, then you can take, choose the own names for your segments. <laughs> uh, he has uh, actually painted some clubman. And, well, 
I think it's safe to say, I think Andy paints some 10 mil ECW should also be a segment of the show that he gets his own, as he seems to. I think, would you agree that we are enablers of Andy's oh, yeah. 10 mil uh, English Civil War collection? And we beneficiaries of, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I, absolutely. We could do with some of these. Oh, they'd be nice. Have you got any? And then, you know, three weeks later, here they are. So these are some of the Pendragon glove band painted with the contrast paints. And Andy, these are cracking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they look really nice, very nice and vibrant, but also, you know, nice range of colours in them and lovely sculpts, nice bases. I think they look a lot of fun. Looking forward to them trying to nick my foraging parties, weapons mm-hmm. and stuff. And then, just because, you know, clubmen aren't enough, it's actually painting some clansmen. Um, and I think these are technically some of the Jacobite clansmen that he has done a bit of timey-wimey stuff, knock them back and have them fighting for or against a different Stuart King. Um, is that right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, at this scale, and, and um, given there's not that much difference in the costume, um, I think it works really well. Yeah, um, I think he chickened out on painting the 10 mil tartan. On the, <laughs> uh, yeah. it, looks, it looks pretty tartany from this. Just, it just, I think the contrast paints on these I think work really well because I had to double check on them and like zoom in a little bit, see if he had done the, the tartan on them. So they look really cool, mm. um, but. Lack of tartan aside, they look absolutely cracking. Um, they look really nice. Yeah. Um, again, looking forward to them probably murdering me in whatever game we're playing soon. And then, drum roll, please, listeners. <laughs> Work was begun on the Carthaginians in that a unit of Gallic cavalry was painted. And some, this is a six mil project that Andy has been having now. Long, long-term listeners will remember the saga of the Chaos Dwarfs. They have now moved, morphed into the Carthaginians. This unit of Gallic cavalry are painted up. I do not know where the rest of the Barkerite army is. We will see at some point, is it lost in transport over the Alps? What is happening to it? When will it arrive in the Po Valley? We will keep you informed. So moving on from Andy, we now move into the first of our Benjamins, and we start off now with Benjamin Fletcher and a really quite cool wagon. And I don't actually know what manufacturer this is, but I do know I think this is a, a great sculpt and a fantastic filthy paint job on it. It has very much sort of puts me in mind of the sort of like the real world inspiration of the sort of like improvised armored cars from sort of like late World War One, but is you know German Revolution, but it's been 40k'd up. So it looks yeah. like it's got some like plasma induction coils and that sort of stuff. And I think even as like a sculpt, I think this is a, a great piece of scattered terrain that you know you chuck it on a 40k table, it looks very 40k but also you're playing like the Dune, Zone Alpha, anything yeah. it sort of works. And to be honest, if you were setting something that's set a year in the future, I think this would work as well, wouldn't it? It's I think it's it's a great kit that works around for that. I'm a sucker for sci-fi civilian stuff, you know, um, like uh, what what what's a just a regular transport vehicle for 40k look like, or um, you're in the 
post-apocalyptic um, uh, era and you've got an ice cream van or something like that that's been sci-fied up. Um, I, I, I love that kind of paraphernalia. It, it really adds to a game. I suppose that is, you never sort of really think of, I'd say, like, yeah, what does the sort of, like, in the 40k universe, what is the, like, the cherubim, like, a delivery vehicle looks like? <laughs> What's the school polishers, you know, what does their sort of get, you know, milk float look like? Um, yeah. Then moving on to some of the figures and some more objectives from Benjamin, we've got a Idol, which may looks very much like he should be resting in sort of sort, sort of tomb, mm-hmm. may be, be pillaged by some sort of nerdy well archaeological grave robber, um, a, an eldritch token, a knife, and a scallywag. These are great. I assume these are for like ghost archipelago, mm-hmm. um, something like that again. Brilliant use. Then, now I am quite partial to a bike-based army. I like bike. I, I like my goth bikers. I've got oh, yeah. you know, a Dark Angel bike army. I've got Space Wolves bike army. I really like these Necromunda bike scav dudes. I think they're great. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think these are fantastic sculpts. I think the bikes are really cool. Again, they sort of look realistic. Yeah, they look like forty k dirt bikes. Yeah, no, I, I I love these 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 bikes. I've got a couple that I've played around with, um, and uh, yeah, no, and 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 uh, lovely paint job as always. Get lots of uh, grimy metal textures. Yeah, and again, as we always say with Benjamin stuff, they they have that look so well that they just fit in that universe, mm-hmm. and everything's just from the same place. Just looks really well, but not just all motorbikes and and grimy stuff. Again, some more of the chaotic nurgly things have gone wrong in the gellerfield scab jobs mm-hmm. fantastic use here and here we have a difference of you know we've got the metals the fleshes but also like the the pus filled putrescence and some green pus all sorts of different spot colors that look really nice i think as particularly like that he's done with these is the little bits of green that he's used as a spot color so you've got like one of the weapon like the heavy bolter has got like its own green pustules on, but then like another one's got like a green helmet lens. So although they're only like tiny little bits of spot colour on them and they are different shades, there's sort of like the commonality between them, which I think just again just like tricks the eye and sort of like further draws them all in. Which I think is what makes for me like Benjamin such a cool painter. Yeah. And then when he's not doing that, um said he was bored and just, you know, I didn't have a great amount of mojo going on. Um so he made some objective market dice cells with just bits and pieces I had night locking about. And I wish the dice cells that I put a lot of effort into came out looking as nice as these. Benjamin, these are gorgeous. Um, and I, I think having a set of dice cells for games that you play a lot are like such an invaluable thing because another ones I use, I use it, we end up using them all the time, don't we, for like casual yeah, markers, yeah. like different objectives. And like for those listeners who don't know what we're talking about, like the dice cells are, you just take a, a base of any size that you want to really, you can sort of like use 15, 20, 25 more rounds, square bases, whatever. And then you put in a small MDF triangle, you can make them out of matchsticks or whatever, that hold a dice of your choice. Um, 
the ones I made are 15 mil round bases with a seven mil MDF square inside. Then you can just like flock them up and base them up like you would a normal base, leaving space inside to put the dice in. So you can either use it for like turn counters, tracking wounds, tracking yeah. different effects, and that sort of stuff. Another one I use, I put like a blue dice in if they're disordered, and like a red dice if they're shaken or whatever like that, or just tracking wounds if you've run out of wooden chits. And then to round off Benjamin's work this week, we go back to Ghost Archipelago and some more pirate crew. And again, really nice, but like oiled, washed out. Look for them. Then onto our second Benjamin. And we now have Benjamin still. And here we have it. I think he, he may be going for brownie points by starting off with some rather nice cavalry. Now, I'm on record quite often saying I hate it when Ben paints things that I'm going to <laughs> to paint. Because it's just most, oh, oh, thank you for that, Ben. Um, yeah, um, my French, uh, mine probably aren't going to be getting as much of an outing now that Ben's got his painted because they're a bit, uh, they might have been beaten slightly with the ugly stick. <laughs> comparing these. Um, I'll let you describe these, Ed. Uh, uh, these are um, uh, lovely. Uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 I forget what the regiment is. Um, they're also exactly the same regiment that I'm planning to paint mine guys up as. But they are a, um, yeah, I think these are Light Dragoons. Um, and uh, we had a recent big uh, 28 mil Napoleonics game. And I think some of these uh, may have uh, uh, fe- featured. And um, yeah, no, they're really, really uh, bright, um, clear paint job um, and lovely basing. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 uh, very, I can't fault the, 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 the final product with Ben. They always look really good. The one thing I really appreciate about Ben is that he very much reinforces failure on the battlefield with lovely painted models. And that, and, <laughs> I, I know the first game we paint, we played, the, the first big Napoleonic game we played, his Light Dragoons came on and got absolutely murdered. Yeah. And so he's just carried on building and painting more of them, which just continue to get murdered. And he <laughs> continues to just reinforce with more and more beautiful looking models. Yeah. Just to be killed. Um, the the, the uh, Perry plastics as well, which are great kits. Um, and uh, but again, because Perry being Perry, the Perry's being the Perry's. The um, uh, the the level of detail is quite demanding. Um, they're not chunky, like they're they're quite um, you know uh, very realistically scaled uh, um, cavalry, but. Once you've put the extra effort in, the the, the final results are outstanding. And uh, yeah, these look really good. I think these are, I would say, one of the best other Perry kits. Yeah. But I, I think, I mean, like, general rule, I think the Perry kits are all excellent. But I, I, I would say, I think personally, I think the later Victrix kits yeah. sort of pip them quite a bit in some ways. Yes. However, they are they even further up the level of fiddliness and the level of that's quite going to be quite tricky to paint 
Um, yep. I'm thinking going as far as things like some of them have like the ears on the horses might be individuals and like lances are sort of maybe like in three or four parts. So it's like it's brilliant. But it's might not be for everyone. Um, yeah. Yeah. Whereas I think the I think the, these and some of the other like the Napoleonic kits, I think for some of the Perry stuff is I think a brilliant middle ground mm -hmm. of like yeah, they're not in a million parts. You've got plenty of detail, but there's still enough variation in them, so it doesn't look like you've just got two or three dudes who are all the same. Um, yeah. Because like these, these are two quite big regiments, and yet you can't really tell. There are no two figures that look the same. Yes. Are there? He has had no duplications, and they look fantastic, as Ben stuff always does. And I like how he's done the some of them in threes and then some individuals so yeah. he can sort of kind of do whatever he wants with them and now I think with, with my Napoleonic cavalry I've done a mixture of twos, threes uh, I think I a couple of singles so again you can sort of split them up yeah. really whatever you want uh, then moving on from Napoleonics moved on to some 15 mil stugs and Ben, these are sickeningly nice. Um, <laughs> doing ambush camo on 15 mil dudes is just slightly rude. Um, but I, I like how he's made use of the plants and the shrubbery and that to make these look really quite heavily camouflaged. And I think it's something that you don't see on many tank models that many people do because it's so hard to, I think, pull off correctly is like all the shrubbery and foliage that it sort of like covers German tanks, especially when you look at like lots of the, the photographs of tanks. So in, in like you know, in and around Normandy and like Western Europe, it's like 1944, 45, they're absolutely covered in trees. Cause you know, it's almost like if you've got absolutely no air support and the enemy's got total air superiority, you kind of need more than a twig to sort of <laughs> hide that you're you know, like move around, take your shrubbery with you. Um, I think these give like a, a, a great middle ground of giving that, look of plenty of cover without actually just looking like you've got lumps of moss chucked on the table um and actually i, th I think by looking at where he's sort of like fixed the shrubbery i think it should actually be practical to game with as well because i know i spent ages and ages trying to glue on loads over some a jagdpanther and then like as soon as i started picking up and gaming with it i just realized i knocked it all off and was now just covered in bits of twig Gosh, so it, yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah. Taken some HE rounds, which has blown off most of its shrubbery <laughs> cover. Um, these are gorgeous, Ben. Um, I haven't got any 15 mil World War Two because I've got World War Two in every other scale. Right. These look so nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, Flames of War may have to happen at some point. I think in 15 mil. I don't. I think these have a chain of command, but they look gorgeous. And then moving on back to Perry's, but staying in World War Two, we have some of the Perry's Africa Corps. Um, really nice paint job on these, Ben. Nice sculpts, uh, I think, for what they are. I will say personally, I'm not a particularly massive fan of the Perry plastic World War Two stuff mm -hmm. for the sole reason of them being true scale. 
and I think true scale plastic rifles and things they look brilliant but at least in mine they just always want to snap yeah um they, they just want to snap and like a lot of the details something like a true scale handle on like an entrenching tool is so tiny um and then for a, a gaming piece i just find them a little bit too fragile but as sculpts they are unquestionably brilliant and i think they're great for like dioramas or if you're not clog-handed with them mm-hmm. um because i know i've got both the africa Corps and the eighth army peri set um and i can see at some point i know last week we were talking about maybe like changing things out of redoing things i think they are two armies that i may update at some point to different sculpts just because they're a bit you don't want everybody to look like they're fighting with cut down carbons because the rifles have snapped in half. Sure. Um, but then moving on from miniatures that Ben's painted, just something that there was just a little thing that he'd put up for playing some uh, I Ain't Been Shot Mum, is some tokens that he'd made up just from some bases and just writing down everything that he needed for them. And I think this is a great example of how you don't have to lay the money out on getting the token packs and all the chits and things that you need. If you've got a couple of pens and some bases, you can make the chits for whatever you want. So these are all like the activation chits for a larger game and it's everything you need to play Mm -hmm. chit wise without, you know, it's a couple of quid of MDF bases. And that's what, you know, if it's a game that you want to give a go, you're not sure if you want to buy the proper tokens or not. Give it a go. You know, make, yeah. make your own. Um, and I, I know what I've done in the past when I've done something like this. If it's a game that I then don't end up use, really want to play, the bases with the writing on get chucked to the top of the tub for when I'm doing a project. They're the first bases that I get. They're the first bases that get used. Yes. And then you know, uh, and always make sure that you put the glue the figures to the bomb with the writing down because now it's, it's really i've got several of my six mil napoleonic units i pick the base up which i know is definitely something like french lancers and you like turn them underneath and you'll go they'll have like you know guard cavalry or something written underneath the base and you go i think someone's reused the wrong base um, <laughs> the uh compliment to ben's handwriting as well very neat that's sickening isn't it <laughs> It's just rude. Now moving on to Bjorn, and we start off with his drones, which are for the doomed. And I think these have a decidedly legally distinct vibe of a Nurgle Blight drone-esque about them. Listeners won't know. We just did about five minutes trying to check out what exactly they are and have come back with the conclusion they are drones for the doomed. (laughs) Well, what, what more explanation do you need? I mean, these look very nurgly, but also like they've been left out in the sun for a bit too long. So they're, they're a little desiccated. But uh, it's a very simple paint job, but I, I think it works really well. I think they're great, though. I think these are one of the cool things you can do with if you wanted to do something that was 40k adjacent, in that they screen nurgle, but they also don't screen 40k at the same time. In yeah. that they work for the Dune, but I think they, these could work... You know, if you're doing like a Weird War thing, like even like Weird War 1, that 
Butler, Dagelin, that sort of stuff, you know, these pop up. They all sort of fit within that as well. I think they look really cool. And then moving on to what is, I think, the main theme of what Bjorn has printed up a lot of this month is a lot of mechs. Yeah. And I've played quite a few mech games. I've never actually got into a mech game myself. At some point, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at some point if I do get into a mech game, because who doesn't like big stompy robots? Certainly. But I really like, like, Bjorn's painted up several squads, warbands, uh, packs of mechs, and I think they look really, really very nice. Um, starting off with like the Space Wars blue and yellow ones, which again, great night use, use of yellow, the metals, the blues look very, very cool. Jumping then into some green and greys, again, blue spot colours, you know, the lenses, cockpits, all spot colouring on them, very, very nice. Some green and blue ones, welcome listeners, well, I'm now listing colours. <laughs> and then we end with the Benetton one of various different colours who look like a sort of the uh the dogs of war mech warband sort of call these. Um yeah. really cool. Nice sculpts, nice simple paint jobs. Cause I think with sort of like something to me at least like mechs, I think when they're just like relatively big flat panels, they're gonna want sort of relatively simple paint jobs, aren't they? Because I think it's I can't imagine in a universe where you're fighting with giant stompy robots, they're going to be doing loads of egg, you know, edge highlighting or, you know, oh dear, don't you? the candy apple carapace on <laughs> this has been blown up by something. Um, I really like these. I'd like to see them all fighting each other on the table. And I think the thing that I particularly like about these is, and seeing like so many of the different like, sort of like bands painted up together is how each individual figure obviously looks unique and individual, but they all instantly look like they're on the, in the same squad. So I think yeah. you could like chuck them all on the table together and you're instantly going to know what they're doing without them looking like they're all painted in like the same uniform colours. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's quite a, a clever thing. There's Battletech, apparently. These are all Battletech mechs. And... There's been rumblings within our gaming group of interest in Battletech. Again, I'm I'm like Tom in that I never got massively into uh, um, a particular mech-themed uh, 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 game, uh, but I played Battletech once ages ago. Um, but uh, I think there's, there's 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 rumblings, so who knows that there, there may be an explosion of Battletech uh, um, fun at some point. I can't see. I can't really see why like. Do you want how anybody can't really kind of be enthused with one? Do you want to play a robot fighting stumpy game? Yeah. No. Somebody said you want to play Robo Jocks. I'd be signed up for that within like. Oh God, yeah, no, like, two like minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that's that's that should be the first game we bring out as a hobby sport group. <laughs> Legally distinct, of course. Yeah. Robot jockeys. Uh. <laughs> Apologies, listeners. On, on that highbrow thought, we now move on to some lizards that um, Bjorn painted up before moving on to some dwarves. Because what does everybody need 
but more dwarves. These look very nice, cool sculpts, cool dwarves. And then finishing off from beyond, we have something which I think is absolutely stunning that he mm. painted up. And like a little bit of simple terrain, you know, a man after Andy's stuff made from Tat. Well, this isn't actually Tat, this is bits of washcloth, skewers, carpet and beer mat. It's the little vegetable seller stall that he painted up. And what I really like about this is the idea of seeing just the little resin vegetable crates that are painted up that look as like fun, really useful little bits of scatter terrain in and of their own right. But seeing how much different and how much better they look when just put on a little base with a bit of bamboo skewer and a bit of dishcloth PVA over the top and painted up and all of a sudden it's a market stall, it's a grocer's stall, it just looks so much nice and it's one of those things that could fit in a table from 4000 BC to the far future. I just think it looks and works brilliantly. What do you think, Ed? I I completely agree. Um, Really resourceful use of um, uh, stuff lying around and um, yeah, it looks great, really effective. So moving on from Bjorn, we now move to Callum and we you know we don't use jingles anymore but we have a a cowboy warband here I think Callum posted these up yesterday using the excuse that the joys of the clocks going back allowed him an extra hour overnight of painting (laughs) to get this warband up and going and these are great looking yeah I think I think I really like to see some like cowboys who have been painted and they haven't been put through the old west sas mexican yellow filter yeah of how much you know these, these are really nice and bright there's lots of you know bright blues yellows and turquoises greens they just look really fun and I, I think an extra dynamic i think to playing a cowboy game with just being a bit more colorful um and the Native Americans that they've also painted up again, equally quite bright and loud, look really nice. I'm looking forward to seeing what these look like when they're all fully based up and actually playing a game on. You know, we are fans of a cowboy game. Absolutely. On the show. So moving on from Callum, we now move on to Charles and not individual figures we're sort of talking about so much today with Charles, but we are talking about the entire game that he put on for a bunch of his friends the other day. And, you know, think of, the, oh, this is one of Charles's games. You know, how much, uh, what level of uh, awe-inspiring um, slash hobby madness is involved this time? I would say a lot <laughs> by most people's standards. I think by Charles is relatively little, as I think there's only about, two dozen contour lines <laughs> in the hills under the cloths. Um, please let us know, Charles, exactly how many different contour lines the hills are worked. But this is a winter board that he made up for a bunch of his friends to play a big game of All Hell Let Loose on. And this looks absolutely cracking. Yeah. Um, it looks absolutely cracking. And like all jokes aside, I think this is one of the best sort of like multi-undulation tables 
especially like a winter table that's got like big rolling hills, valley, all sorts of stuff. And I know it's just made out of various different levels of polystyrene with some fabric over the top. So, you know, a moderate amount of work, but nothing ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's not going to have been like hundreds of hours getting it. I'm sure you know, it's Charles, so there's plenty of hours of working it. But it's, I think this is something that, you know, I think most of us could hopefully like aim to achieve if we just put our thinking caps. So I don't think we're going to have to have, you know, mad references and be working out in like half mil increments <laughs> or anything like the engine board. Um, but this is great because I think it's, I really like it how it's it's a winter board that looks really good. And I've stolen quite a few ideas from it. Um, things like the individually based trees is a, a great way of doing forests. Um, yep. Like the individually based houses or the s- small clumps of houses, which you then just put together to make bases of towns. You, you have the brigade may the brigade miniatures houses and things are so great because you have like two or three of them you've got a hamlet you have a small town or you've got a major city with loads of them um little bits of like pan scour and scrub foliage and all sorts of things for making hedges and winter fields plenty of roads it's just great and i, I think the the small scale individually based trees just give that impact of it's in a heavily forested area while still giving you plenty of room to move out around your figures yeah um, just like really impressive and I, I think i would like listeners please check out everybody's miniatures but we, we you know check this out i think if you want to put on a winter game and you want to make some terrain but like this is also a huge table um but it's sort of like achievable for a weekend and then it all goes away you know it, you're not going to be spending a thousand hours making a table for a weekend and then never use it again i think this is all stuff that you know i shouldn't imagine it takes up a huge amount of room and it's perfectly practical to play on. i think it's, it's a great example and once again you know charles sort of like knocks it out of the park these were things all things like the built-up areas the rivers the trees they all just going to live in a box and they're going to be really useful on whatever size table you're using and you know, you pack away the cloth and the hills that are making up all the contour lines again you've got less stuff to have to keep it's not like keeping solid boards do you have anything to add from that end before we just 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 uh, excellent um the uh what i really like is the simple fields that he's got there as well which i guess is just uh you know uh, uh, little networks of uh, fields on sort of oval bases that um, you can scatter around. No, they're really excellent. Yeah. And it's just, it's, 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 I think it's just his dining table, isn't it? I think so. Um, It might be a slightly, it's a, it's a pretty big dining table, but it's just a dining table. That's just being built up. And I think something that I really, I'm getting more and more into as I have built a lot of terrain the last couple of months is how you can make a really nice table looking, you can make a table look really nice just built out of scatter terrain. Yes. And you go, actually, I think once your scatter terrain reaches sort of like a certain density, all of a sudden it becomes the terrain. Yeah. And 
Um, and that's definitely how I built my Cherrington Woods slash Hurtcombe Forest. Mm-hmm. It's just dozens and dozens of small clumps of trees, which individually are clumps of trees. Put all on the table together, there are three foot square solid forest. Um, yeah. But I, I never built them as a single forest. They're built as individual clumps using a technique that I stole from Charles. Um, and then thanked him very much for. Excellent. So, you know, I think acknowledging your creative theft, we always encourage everyone to do it. Mine aren't as good, but, you know, it's 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 the remake version. No. <laughs> but moving on from terrain chat, we now move on to some of Chris Lane's 15 mil ancients. And again, brilliant, lovely use of nice, vibrant colours, because it's something we always talk about when we see some nicely painted ancients. Everybody thinks the ancient world was really drab and monochrome or everything was brown or red or black. And we know from, you know, archaeological evidence and the sources, they were gaudy, I think, would, mm. uh, I think most people, I think, would would that be a word that you would use for what? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, not saying that these are gaudy, Chris, saying these are gorgeous, but they represent a brighter colour palette than I think most people may be associate with heavy cavalry of the past. You know, yes. some nice yellows, purples, blues, reds, greens, really nice, lovely sculpts, nice multi-base, um, great actual basing on them as well themselves. You know, this is a cavalry unit that sort of like looked like they're sort of flanking either side of like a path or a, a track yeah. of some sort, cuffs, tufts, flowers, looks really nice and it's something that I particularly like what you can do with the, the multi-base is you can get the idea that this is like a pathway going through it or a track but then have things going either side of it because yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's that I, I'm definitely playing around with the ECW stuff I'm doing of like you've got a, a roadway or a track that might fit down like two or three horses but if you're going to try and get you know, several thousand down there you're not just going to form a single line that goes the whole way down you're going to have to flow out into the fields at the other side otherwise that road is not going to be passable for very long before it's just a quagmire yeah but then after the cavalry moved on to some hoplites or spearmen um i'm calling them hoplites i I, i'm not an ancient enough scholar enough to know necessarily mm, i'm not going to correct you (laughs) yeah (laughs) They look like they've got a hospice. I'm guessing that, yeah. I think the only person who can t- bring us up on this one is James or, or Chris <laughs> himself. So let us know. Um, fantastic use of the decals on these shields. Yeah. Um, I think they, they look fantastic. Great miniatures. And again, great positioning of these. What you can get with the multivation. You can just have like a mob of guys who may have just be reforming they may be just be getting into getting ready to form up they may be retreating they just look really nice and dynamic and then finishing off from them we have some robots who look like they're about to do a bit of damage and possibly prove why the phalanx was not quite so good when it ran up against the legion um <laughs> very dynamic poses you know they look mean and like they're going to do some business mm-hmm. um, and someone's going to have a unfortunate day of probably being a bit stabbed um 
whether I don't know what manufacturers have done these, but these are, are, are quite nice detailed yeah. sculpts for 15 mil. And thank you, Chris, for some ancients. So moving on from Chris, we now move on to Dave Churchill, who once again wins the award for the most eclectic range of miniatures painted. But at least for once, Dave, I know or can at least guess most of what you painted because some of it I actually recognize. But we start off with a bunch of 20th century civilians slash pulp figures, including like a woman in your dress with a pistol, female uh, jungle adventurer, again, very nice, cool, pulpy looking figure. Then a legally distinct your Brenner and <laughs> I don't know about you but did you ever watch as a child the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon you know I thought exactly the same thing <laughs> I was like the I Dungeon Master's grown yeah. he's, he's taller he's, um... yes but I think this is um uh just a coincidence it, it looks to me like some kind of um a, a, a psychic uh a, a lady um who's um Dressed up in a finery, um, having some kind of uh, psychic premonition. Yeah, but it did make me think very much the Dungeon Master from the D&D cartoon. So I'm I'm glad I'm not the only buddy who is horrendously (laughs) dating themselves now. Um, These are some, they know. Priestess. Again, housewife who doesn't necessarily look like she's sort of going to be going to to, make a carrot cake or something. Somebody maybe getting slightly murdered um farmer who's fighting off the broccoli monster does not wish to be poking any random meteorites turning into broccoli and now here we have something that i actually can definitely nail what is it's the stranger things board game Ah, and these are the first time that i have seen these figures in the flesh and i think these are really nice models i think you can like definitely tell. I think it's interesting and fun to see a board game where they've not had to legally distinct it. So we yes. can just have like an we can have like an eleven and a harper without having like psychic child and town sheriff. Yes. Uh, so you know it's great. I think it's a board game, so the sculpts are relatively simple. But you can instantly tell who they are. And I think there is enough detail in them that these have given a nice paint job. You can instantly tell who and what they are. And I think even on like the table, there's enough character in the figures. So you're going to see who's Will, who's Justin. Yeah. Who's, you know, see Joyce with the fairy lights and the big demigorgon and mm-hmm. the demigorgon hounds and that sort of stuff. I think it's really cool. I, I will actually have to try and check this game out because I haven't seen the game before, but these figures are, are quite cool. And again, you could use these figures for something else. You know, you could use them for like space weirdos or... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, some of the monsters might be fun for the doomed. You know, like, yeah, yeah, totally work, yeah. Um, That sort of thing. And then moving on from Stranger Things back into the world of pulp because we never put all the pictures in. A single order because that would be too sensible. So, we're like, 
jumble it about a little bit. Um, how would you describe this figure, Ed? Um, I uh, packing two guns um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's jobpers and a um, yeah, it looks like he's just come off the golf course and uh, now he's he's ready to shoot some holes in someone. Yeah, I think this. I, I would describe this figure as somebody who may have fled Berlin in 1945 to Patagonia. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Oh, right, yes. I, I think the hair's parted the wrong way, though. Maybe that's subterfuge. I don't know. Yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> the, I think if you wanted a clone of a certain dictator in a game... Sure. Um, I think th- this figure would fit that quite well. Um, then we have a policeman, yep. you know, who's tracking down said clone. Yep. Um, and... Well, I can only really describe as a rather sassy-looking sailor. Yes. <laughs> that, that, is, that is a sailor who's packing a serious amount of sass yeah. while going to stab somebody. Um, then back into sensibleness. Then have uh, Warmaster Stegatron? It's a Warmaster drag. It's a, it's a Warmaster Lizardman. t-rex thing with a wizard on it um yeah please let us know uh then at least we have some necrons we are um, back to what we know (laughs) at least what we know we say what faction they are um certainly yes uh i really like yeah i think this is a great paint job i really like what he's done with this walker overlordy heavy thing in that it looks like something that's been buried for thousands of years and it's rusty, but it's sort of still filled with that like eldritch energy. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really like how he's got like the glowing on the weapons, which const- you know, contrasts so nice with the rust. And yeah. I think those bits of spot rust that he's got on it are, are stunning, David. I think you should be really, really pleased with like the work on those. And then some more Necrons, again, going very much for that. Like the contrast between the sh- the gleaming metal, the glowing green, and the rust to show that they've been sort of buried for ages. Um, yeah. And then finishing off with some Warmaster Giants. Because every Warmaster army needs some Giants. If you can take Giants, why are you not taking the maximum number of Giants? Of Do you play much Warmaster, Ed? No, I never have, actually. Um, uh, yeah. For whatever reason, I think uh, the big war master moment um, originally first time around was uh, when I was in my hobby hiatus. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I've always liked the idea of it. These may technically be ogres. Um, giants and I think jump... beardy to be ogres, perhaps. I feel like they're more giant esque with the beards. They are, but I think because they're not singular based. Uh, I see. This is the joy of 10 Millman, you see. You can go, is it an ogre? Is it a giant? What's the difference? <laughs> is, is, is an ogre, uh, you know, a giant who has simply been slightly malnourished through development? Yes. Yeah. Is, is a giant just an ogre with a, like an overly active pituitary gland? Are, are, are they separate <laughs> subspecies? You know, what's going on? Well, is, is, is there some sort of wizard who's just out there pumping ogres full of growth hormone? Also, they've now got these giants. Giants don't actually exist. Um, <laughs> it's fake news. Uh, 
just a bunch of ogres standing on top of each other in a crunch coat, you know. It's a myth. It's um, <laughs> why every every rendering you see of the giants in the wild in whatever fantasy world you're using are also like slightly blurry, out of focus. Walk slowly across the artist's vision, then pan towards the camera. You've been giant pilled, listeners. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. I didn't mean to go into a tangent on <laughs> cryptid reporting, talking about giants. So we don't even do we don't even have the orb anymore. We don't even do mystery transport. Still get to bring in Bigfoot and all sorts of random. This is what Andy misses having yeah. tapped out from doing. <laughs> uh, anyway, hopefully we should now have a better f- further understanding before we f- thoroughly derail the show of what we're talking about as we are now looking at some stuff painted by you ed oh so, yeah of course i think this is it's this your space weirdos or your doomed warband that you're starting off um yes i've used them for both so uh both will work um so yeah this is just a a a, a more fruits of the kit bashing days that I've been organizing at the gaming club. So a lot of this is from the communal bits box and um, also some of these sort of Stargrave and uh, Perry kits I, I, I bought. And uh, yeah, no, I, I, I had a lot of fun um, uh, building them. I've got a big tray right next to me uh, where I sit of um, other things that I kit bashed that I um, have base coated and uh, zenithal highlighted and at some point when i've finished my napoleonics i will try and put a few more um uh, uh, space weirdos together i think that mix of the stargrave kits and the perry kits is just such a match made in heaven yeah because you take the sort of like the hundred years war like war of the roses range plastic kits like a plastic body shove on like a lizard man head with a laser eye and a laser pistol or something in one hand while still wearing male greaves and that sort of stuff in the tabard it just looks perfect and they, they just... work really well together as i think we said last time on the gallery the 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 way the the size works um you know you're not you're not um, putting a head on a body and then the head just looks unrealistically um big you know no, and I think that's like the mixture of like the, the old tech, the high, like the super high tech, the super low tech. It just works really well. I think they look really cool. But then when you're not painting up space weirdos or other weird gribblies, you've also cracked on sickeningly nicely with some of your 28 mil Napoleonic cavalry, haven't you? And yep. These look rude. Um, <laughs> they, they Thank look you. So nice. How many of them have you got painted? Yeah, at least uh, about say that you've painted two that's taking like 70 hours each um, well they're um almost they're in the home stretch now so there are 24 i bought two of the vitrix packs it's scott's grays um and uh they're based i just need to paint the bases and do the flocking and the uh uh you know the varnish and, and then they should be done but um yeah i the vitrix cavalry as we've said before excellent really really good and um uh i i think it's this is the first napoleonic cavalry i've done it's been a bit of a challenge um i think the uh referencing i found to be a bit difficult to try and work out exactly what the colors were i 
have the um, Osprey book, but of course they give you the colours of the riders. They don't give you all the accoutrement for the horses. So I was trying to work out what colour to do the um, uh, the bridle and stuff. So some of them are brown, some of them are black. Uh, I assume in reality there would have been a mix. So um, and I'm pretty sure I got the um, saddle cloth wrong, even though. Uh, some of the references have blue with like a gold trim, but I think that might have been parade ground stuff. And otherwise they're kind of gray. So I went with what I thought was rule of cool, the uh, the, the the blue with the gold trim, because I think it looks nicer. I think the Santa Plus specifically look gorgeous. Um, Thanks. I think they look really gorgeous. I think with the like bridles, like girths, all that sort of stuff, I don't think it's contradictory what you find. Um, yep. And I think it is impossible. It's impossible to be completely sure what you're getting for because you read things and it's different things. Um, and I think you've probably done a good middle ground. I think going for the middle ground is probably best. It, it's, I think you have to sort of go for the middle ground. I know when I did mine, I did like a mixture because I'm a pedant. I like to yeah make it look more that like all the harness isn't just um monochrome so it's all made of different bits and like your reins are probably maybe slightly different color because they're worn more and or whatever that sort of ah, stuff but it's like it's a level of detail that is going to appeal to nobody <laughs> unless they have nothing better in their lives to worry about well, I think it's one of those, as we said about before, it, it, it's finding that level of detail that you're happy with. And I think I have broadly with these guys. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I should have we, we, I should have spoken horses to you before I started. Well, you, you, next time you come around to my house, I will show you the cavalry bookshelf. Well, I'm sure I've showed you. It's all contradictory. Somebody yeah. tells you something and then somebody else will tell you something else. And then you realise this has been going on since like 1840, where someone <laughs> brings in cat and they go, well, I was there. And someone goes, yes, but you were wrong. And it's just, I'm, I'm <laughs> losing the will to live. Um, and then you get, with like, oh, here's like the concise history, volume one of 16. And it's just <laughs> all breaks down. Um, and then you find, oh, they're both right because they were sort of just made it up. Or like you know, yeah, things like who's got, like, is it the parade ground saddle cloth? Is it like the campaign one? Who's been issued with what? Who has actually got what? Who has just like, you know, lost it and nicked something else? Doesn't yeah. use it because they use something that they bought from somewhere else. Um, and then that's not even going into the whole utter joy of going like, what if you like replace your reins with like patterned reins? <laughs> or like plaited or threaded reins or like woven reins and then it's just we're in soccer territory now sorry listeners but we're now we're, we're now in textured leather of like pig leather versus this leather anyway Ooh. <laughs> that's, you know listeners are now got you know the gallery is marmite anyway i think we're now just further and further barreling down that thing of how much granular detail can we get talking about cavalry there'll be people at home wanting more there'll there'll be there there will be some listeners who are like yes this is what i've been waiting for (laughs) please please list give us a list of painting different leather textures 
How, what is the difference between pig leather and kidskin leather? It's yes. Sorry, listeners. Um, I amuse myself. I have to. Anyway, moving on from leather chat, we now move on back to Hutchinson Warmaster because you know all the cool kids are painting ten more stuff at the moment. So we move on to Jack's Dark Elves, which is for his Warmaster project that he's got coming up. And these are Kraken Jack. Mm-hmm. Um, really nice base of Spearman. And again, it's just one of those things that Warmaster minis just look so nice when they're based up because they just fit together. They just, it sounds stupid, but you know, a dozen 10 mil Warmaster figures just look right on a 40 mil base. Yeah. And they, they look like a proper stand of figures. Mm-hmm. And I think having the stripped, the strips of figures or like proper figures, which are meant to be flanked up, do look so much nicer than what I've done when you're just trying to arrange individual 10 mil figures, which you can never get to fit quite as nicely together if they're not in a strip to begin with. I don't know if, if you found that with like, would your 10 mil ECWs, if was, were they strips or individual figures, Ed? Oh, gosh, I think they were individual. I can't remember now because it was so long ago, but um, uh, I, I couldn't say. Uh, there were, however, Lancer do them. Yes, they're probably individuals, and I think I think they are. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 yes, I had to kind of. I think uh, I tend to do this with most of my basing. Um, use a a ruler to make sure I've got the right kind of. They've all lined up by sort of drawing lines across and, and things. But um, yeah, the 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 Warmaster stuff always looks. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it it in terms of like the the, the visuals, it, ten mil makes so much more sense than twenty eight mil for the kind of game that uh, uh, Warhammer Fantasy is. I'm so uh, glad we're friends, yeah. Ed, because I thought, <laughs> I, I thought I was the only nicer who draws, like, base, who gets the ruler out on bases to work out, right, what's the amount of, like, frontage in front of the base so everyone's in straight lines. I thought I was the only person who did that. Well, I mean, I was I was restrained when I was doing my, um, uh, basing my Scots Greys, in that I just did a middle line down the centre of it, and then I eyeballed, because, you know, Larger models, there's more room to manoeuvre. But I think with smaller scale stuff, like the the degree of uh, uh, light, I, I think that I was doing a border along the the, the sides of um, two millimeters. Um, <laughs> make sure. Well, that... What I tend to I tend to put in like I do the front of the base, so no yeah. one's going further forward than this. I do a rank of like the, the rear thing, so no one's further than the rear, and then I do the center point. Where I put like the middle model, yeah, and then like I sort of like work it out from there. Um, depending if it's going, if there's like an even number of strips, I go from the edges first, and then so they meet in the middle. If there's uneven number, I sort of work out right the middle of the commander's head is going yeah. to be sort of, like the dead middle of the base, and then work from there. Um, I think those I thought, big big base units, you you have to go to that kind of degree of um, uh, 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 exactitude. Exactitude, exactness. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, it, it, that that's part of the fun of those projects. I think. Oh, it's brilliant. It's 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 what I enjoy. It's, it's fantastic when you work it all out, and then all of a sudden you realise, ah, I'm not putting like 
three drummers in each unit because it looks stupid. I'm just using one drum. I'm getting rid of a strip in like every four units. What does that do now from a spacing? It's like, ah, so you now need to go like you're, you're losing like six millimeters in like 10 strips. So you've got, how are you going to like extra gap that in? And you go, oh, <laughs> a bush problem <Yes>. solved. <laughs> so it's tripped over. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a tree and something. It's disrupted the thing. They've lost a the whole strip. It's the joys of like, or if you're doing the polyonics, a cannonball is just taking out a whole row. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, apologies, Jack, for being distracted while we're chatting about yours. Really nice work. Now, moving on to Neil, who has painted up a Tyranid. And, well, a couple of Nids. And it's great to see something more painted from Neil. You know, the loft has given up more bounty. Um, mm -hmm. Really nice knit. Yeah. This, Neil, I think, especially, I like the blue and the red of the bodies. I think it looks very alien. Yeah. It looks really nice. Um, and the, the, the bony carapace, this looks like a real space gribbly. Um, looks scary, it looks horrible. It looks like it's going to, you know, steal your spleen or yeah it's something that you don't want to sort of find you know scuttling around the bins at the back of the kebab shop is it certainly and then another one who definitely gives me the vibes of he's a big bad in a series of power rangers um, <laughs> yeah um i like this i also i think this is a good, good example i think it's gonna be like a lot of dry brushing some yeah. edge highlighting that sort of thing. It just looks really nice. Great base. Um, looking forward to seeing more of these painted up, Neil. And like, I would imagine with these two big pieces, that's probably quite a few points. Certainly, yeah, yeah. In an, in an army done as well. Yeah. But also, I think like we've talked a lot about playing skirmish games, like you know, the Doomed and you know, Space Raiders and all that sort of stuff. I think both of these again would be like great, just big monsters to like fighting, yeah. or, or even something like stranger things or something if you were playing like a stranger things game but you needed like a you wanted like a, a homebrew villain who's not yeah. like the mind player or something different i think either of these is, is a great like you know I, I joking aside about the power ranger villain it would be something perfect for that kind of thing and i think it's what yeah i think having like big monsters which aren't necessarily super like titan size is great because you know if, even if like you're playing like D and D. Either of these two are great, like great demons or all sorts, aren't they? You know, if, if, yeah. if, you, if you've got a level 20 character, I think it, these still look like they would give it a good fight. Um, yeah. If you just stat it accordingly and decide what it is. Um, you know, multiple uses for the same figures. Now, moving on from Neil, we now move on to Soren and more of his expanding collection of painted board game miniatures and we start off with the fire starter mm. which is again i think a cool looking gribbly well yeah. it's a cool looking creature that you could again space weirdos <laughs> which seems to, i think i think space weirdos such it's a brilliant game name in and of itself but i think it's also a brilliant just genre of miniature i think i think this could also be like ancients weirdos 
or just a weirdo. Yeah. Um, We've been playing sword weirdos uh, recently, and um, yeah, the uh, you don't need to just go fantasy with your sword weirdos. These could be post-apocalyptic sword weirdos, or our guns are broken, so we're going to stab each other with relics, you know. Uh, and yeah, this is a, a really nice uh, paint scheme as well. I, I think this is um, yeah, re- really like really like this. It's, it's simple, but it, it's very effective. Yeah, I think really nice. I think the, the I think these figures for the game that Soren paints up, I think all I think all of these figures that Soren paints up, I think so many of the sculpts are as an individual model relatively simple. Yeah. But have such simple but clear detail on them that yeah. they give them lots of character in what they're doing, relatively simple. You know, the, like the guy that's got covered in geometric patterned armor. It just works, I think, really, really successfully, and it just makes yeah. it look slightly. It makes it look much more interesting than if it was just a flat figure, or mm-hmm. a figure with like loads of bells and whistles and that sort of thing. You know, it doesn't need loads of buckles and jewels and doodads and stuff on. Yeah. Just having yeah. it look like his armor's covered in like eldritch runes or whatever works really well. And I think you could paint this up. You know, if you painted this up in neon colors, all of a sudden it's some sort of like cyberpunk. Netrunner assassin or something it's, it's whatever you sort of want it to be I think it's yeah. really really quite cool and then um, Gosoran just doesn't paint board game pieces he paints lots of stuff as well Unit of Dark Angels yeah um, I think last time we were chatting about painting up old style old school marines um, really nice just old school Dark Angels power armour yeah, um, with the yellow shoulder pad rooms, which is always a pain in the neck to read paint. Um, <laughs> the Puri seals galore on them. I think this is a. a I don't know about you, but I think these are a great example of how you can do a a modern paint job that looks really nice on old models, and yeah. they just they just look really well. Because I think these are much cleaner and crisper, and look a lot nicer. Than most of the models were painted when these originally came out. I don't certainly, know. yeah, yeah. Um, like I think, looking at these, I don't think it is an over exaggeration to say these are like white dwarf quality from back in the day when these sculpts came out. Is it especially with the like yeah, yeah, slightly yeah. more detailed bases and stuff? Um, they're really nice, so I think you should be well pleased with those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just cut this bit. Uh, but that wasn't like being too condescending, was it? To say that they're not brilliant, but they're great for how they were, better than how they were like ten, fifteen years ago. I, I didn't, I didn't pick that up in what you said. Okay. I thought it was yeah, it was being complimentary, uh, just just straightforwardly complimentary. Yeah, because I think things like edge highlighting and stuff. Yeah. When I first started getting back into the hobby, that was seen as like super fancy. So ooh. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, those those, are, those those edges are hard to catch as well. So, with the with the the ridge on the top of the helmets and with the edge highlighting, it's really good. Yeah, and they're not just like covered in earthshade. Um, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, then moving on from the dark angels to some more dwarves, because I think if anything that hobby sport group members seem to paint a lot of, it's dwarves. Certainly. Uh, yeah. Um, we we all like a dwarf. Starting off with a, a guy who may be auditioning for 
for a new John Wynn movie. We will see if any <laughs> doves are in the background. Um, really nice. Uh, the uh, customary fantasy army overly compensatory banner. Yep. Slash junior hang glider <laughs> of the year award. Um, from banner. Uh, good looking. Skull. Rather melancholic dwarf hero. Yeah. Bemoaning the loss of his friend in a paragliding accident. <laughs> um, and then we finish off with a Tau scout slash recon finder. I don't know which scouts. I don't know which Tau used tricorders. I know I, it's a Tau. Yes, I, I I also know it's a Tau. My Tau lore is pretty sparing, but yeah, that that's that's a that's a good looking Tau. So moving on now from Soren. We will now move on to Stephen Callan, who, for a change, makes me struggle to sum up just how nice his power armor is, because he just likes to make my life difficult with coming up with <laughs> adjectives for how nice his stuff looks each week. So we start off with a bunch of Ultramarine Primaris. Yep. Flamer dudes. Don't know the proper name. They've got heavy flamers. Yep. Well, where'd you start with these, Ed? Um, lovely, lovely job. Um, yeah, no, really good. Uh, and and like an old school uh, red on the housing of the gun, um, which I think is uh, good for when you're doing um, ultramarines. Um, yeah, no, no, no it, it, it's just the same really high standard of work. Uh, these look great. I think where I think... I would give these exceptionally special praise is the depth of the yellow on like the barding of the shoulder pads, yeah. especially the underneath of the shoulder pads, because how the like the sculpts are positioned, you see like the bottom edge of mm-hmm. the shoulder pads on several of them. And You're there's right. Just, yeah. There's just so much depth and warmth in that yellow. It's just like sucks in the eye. It just looks real just looks so much more than someone's just slapped some yellow paint yeah on the board edge but then moving on from painting the power armor because you know steven you know may may set the standard i think at painting power armor so the rest of this month just been lots of flesh um <laughs> mentally i'm going to say sort of like deem like you know, chaotic infused possibly like you know chemated flesh yes um but uh yeah, starts off I, I, some sort of like Cornite berserkery human cultist. Yes. Um, again, Ed, you're the resident 40k expert. I'm I'm, I'm really rusty because because the, the the content hose is ever flowing. Um, you take your eye off uh, Games Workshop for a bit. You turn around and there's just loads of new stuff. So, uh, but yes, these are um, uh, the most recent version of the. Uh, a corn space marine uh, uh, army you get a bunch of kind of specialist cultists with big chainsaws uh, and these look really great and and lots of uh again a, a yellow difficult color to do but another way of doing yellow with the hazard stripes and um yeah no excellent work these are fantastic sculpts yeah um yeah. Th- these are truly stunning models but um mm. So truly stunning paint job, especially yeah. like the hazard stripes on the weapons, because those hazard stripes are so crisp, so clean. 
yeah. and looks so real. Yeah. Um, but also, like, yeah, the, like, the rage that he's managed to capture in the flesh tones, and they're mm-hmm. all different. So this does look like a bunch of, like, five men and women who have been, like, dragged together from across the universe um, and then just sent out to murder people. Um, mm-hmm. Looks really, really nice. And then talking about, so like, the differences in the skin tones, so then more a more cohesive unit of a much darker crimson skin tone here with a, yeah. a squad, which looks much more like they're recruited from the same place. Um, so it's how you can sort of take like a, a very similar concept, but just changing that skin tone to make this squad look cohesive. Um, again, why do you really sort of start with these? They look yeah. fantastic. Yeah, and it's, it's not just the, the crispness of the hazard stripes and then just sort of like finish it off with then some of the larger ones which are sort of like the marines in the power armor and it took me a while to look at these to sort of realize that this is power armor that's been painted to look like flensed flesh yes yeah so it's like oh that's what you're now doing, is it, Stephen? You know, you know, painting armor that looks like it's been skinned flesh, um, <laughs> and it looks exactly like that to the yeah. point that you have to look really close and go, "Oh, it's actually power armor that is then painted up to look like exactly like the flesh," um, yeah. which is mind-boggling. Um, Caesar, I think. Um... Cornet uh, Space Marines who got so angry they've taken their shirts off to get extra fighty, um, and uh, yeah, the the um, the armor uh, is is kind of mutating as well, and really good uh, paint scheme that captures what the what's going on with these models. Great, you know, even if whatever your your thoughts are on the sculpts themselves, the paint job is simply stunning. Um, yeah, it, it is truly, truly mind-boggling um and then we obviously go to the other extreme of the the the, the hobby standards in the painting then and we'll talk about the guy did um so if i all that all that mind-boggling power armor and stuff from Stephen, and then we will now talk road shrubs in a river um so useful stuff i realized when you make roads and pathways and that sort of stuff you never make in you never make like junctions Yes, crossroads yeah. and that sort of. You never have them, so I made loads. Yeah, and, and then I was thinking, what sort of roads, what sort of like crossroads and junctions do you want for seventeenth-century warfare? Because like you're probably not going to need the mini roundabout. <laughs> and then I was like, I wonder when like the T junction was invented and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was I uh, broke out. Google Earth and just had a look at the bridleways and paths around where I grew up and just copied lots of those junctions and intersections mm. and realised loads of them are absolutely lethal. Um, <laughs> but you know, they've been there, you know, hundreds if not thousands of years. They'll sort of work for inspiration. So I made loads of like actual crossroads, T junctions. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how, what you describe like a V junction. 
where basically <laughs> it's like one road leads into the other, but you're not really, you can't tell until you're sort of basically pulling into the other road of traffic that you're actually at a junction, um, like hairpin bends, all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah. And these, these, these are to go with the 30 odd foot feet of actual road that I built. Um, again, for the Cherrington slash Hercombe Forest thing. And I spent ages both like working out how wide to make them and decided do I go on an actual scale where it's like a millimeter per centimeter or whatever, or do I choose like an arbitrary size and go, well, the roads are out of scale, but they sort of, they work. And I, that's what I ended up choosing. So I decided to make the roads 30 millimeters wide, generally. Pathways and tracks are slightly smaller. The yeah. main reason why I went for that is I most of my six mil stuff is based on 60 by 30s, like my cannon limbers and all that sort of stuff are on 30 by 30s. And if you're just being able to fit like one limber down the road, kind of works properly. And like if they were to scale, and like because I based these on like the roads around my home area, they're going to be sort of like just a few, the, the roads themselves are going to be like less than a centimeter wide. Yeah. And it's, they're not going to be really practical to be as a gaming thing with like this, the ground scale that we sort of play on. I feel like here's your road is the thick is you know it's the width of a pencil. I just <laughs> didn't think. I thought it would just look. I thought a they'd just be like blowing all over the place and falling about. I just yeah. thought they, they wouldn't quite practically work. So I've made these. I said they're massively overscaled for six mil, but they'll work perfectly for. 10 and 15 yeah. even 28 as a push i may reevaluate it for making some smaller ones at six um but i will see how they play because they were relatively simple to make they're very cheap to make um but we'll see how they play i am more tempted to play with oversized roads yeah and use the old chestnut that the road itself doesn't necessarily just make doesn't represent just the road it represents like the road and the immediate area around the road yeah because um, of like again like where i these are all based from there are no ditches there aren't necessarily huge hedges you can just like walk off the road into a field for a few feet if you wanted to so we also like see how that goes but i'm really pleased i'm looking forward to playing with them um and then i made a small river as well because when i was building it all up i thought oh i'll just see how this works for like streams making like little dikes and that sort of stuff because i realized we've got plenty of big rivers in our like terrain collection now after especially as yeah. i made the big modular river so i can you know, do like the seven or something i thought haven't got anything that represents just sort of like an annoying stream like that sort of thing where like you're easily going to be able to wade through it but it's just going to like slow you down and yeah ruin your morning when you then got soaking my feet for the rest of the day so just made a, a little stream um gives an extra excuse to break out the marsh again where we can now feed it with more stream um, excellent excellent so that was mine and i have been carrying on working on the six mil bcw miniatures as well but because i'm block painting them they've got nothing further of those is done yet so we're not ready to show more of those but we now move on to the final person as we talked about this month and who could it be but warren so here we are with the warren standard 
And in an unofficial theme for today, I know the last hobby update we did was Andy buys a goblin. I think <laughs> I, I think today's gallery is going to be hobby support group members paint dwarves. Um, yeah. And you know, of hobby support group members painting dwarves, who would set the standard? I think, but Warren with his dwarves because yeah. he's Warren. Um. Great entry into the hand gliding banner thing. Um, this is a great banner bearer, Warren. It is an absolutely fantastic miniature, as always. Yeah. And the paint job on these dudes is awe inspiring. Yeah. Um, and like I know we've talked about this many times, haven't we? Ed, when we say like the things that Warren does specifically with his dwarves. Is simple, clean, but perfect. Yeah. And I think these sort of like, I think a great example of this is these dwarves, which have got like the winged helms. In fact, like you look at them and they're just gold helmets. But then you realize, so like the banding and the bit, the, the, like the more accoutrements to them. Or a more polished, burnished gold than the rest. So, yeah. so like, it's not an edge highlight. It's just that it's been painted to look like a slightly different material, which mm. just gives them more depth, more warmth, and just yeah. So first glance, oh, they're just dudes in gold armor in tunics. But then you look at them, and you know, there's so much dip. Like the differences between the gold on the helmet, the brass banding of the shield the gold shield boss band inside the shield. It's just makes them look so real and like yeah. they're about to come. Like, especially when you sort of like look at the multi-base unit of all 10 of them, they look like they're just about to sort of like become animated and start walking around towards you as if they were ready to start. Somebody was going to sort of like shout action and they're going to start <laughs> wandering about the place as living, breathing figures. Yeah. They're, Awesome, Warren. And they're lovely sculpts as well. I think these are the three D prints, aren't they? Um, uh, but you, and you, they're also great paint uh, uh, jobs as well. I think with um, grey beards, which I guess is what these guys are, or a version of uh, the whiteness in the beard is quite is very bold, but works really well. Like it's unnaturally white, but then these are fantasy characters, so of course you know you want to. You don't want to mess around. You want to make the white beards as white as possible. I think these might possibly be my favourite. I think they're definitely like my favourite, like white or like long beard models. Yeah. Because I think quite often they look as a concept quite goofy. Yes. Because they just they're always they're supposed to have like the most bling and the giant beards, and they're supposed to be like quite often like your hardest fight as well. They're like your most elite unit, but unless they're like you got like I am beards and other jobs you know names of dwarf units change from setting to setting but Definitely. i really like these and i think something that is quite unusual for me i like how they've sort of like gone down the route of like norse gimmickry with like the winged valkyrie helmet and that yeah. sort of stuff yeah and yeah i think it really works on these mm. and I, I think with the paint job of having to like balance out the giant white beards with the white wings on the back of the helmet on the helmets to sort of like again like counteract the amount of white on them just works 
really well. I think these are, as ever with Warren, an amazing paint job, but I think the sculpts are also brilliant as well. I think it's something that Warren should also get credit for, is picking good models. Yes, absolutely. Like, I don't think I've ever seen, I've never seen Warren paint, a, like, do a bad paint job on a model, but I've never seen him paint, like, a fugly model, or, yeah. like, a, a model that's, like, ooh, it's the best I could, it's not really... I'm sure I've, I know I've definitely painted hundreds of models, which are like, what's well, not exactly the most awesome looking. No, yeah, I, I, absolutely. <laughs> I, I've just finished a bunch of um, uh, some more uh, Airfix Napoleonics and those sculpts are a bit daft, but I still like them for nostalgic reasons. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think um, the, 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 there's probably quite a few bits of my collection that come under that heading. But the, like as a coherent army, this is a really interesting and cool club. Always an excellent paint job. Yeah. Um, but then I think you know, if, if we're talking excellent paint jobs, and I don't want to be like work theoretical about Warren too much, give him too big of a big head, um, <laughs> despite us having an entire section called the Warren Standard. Um, I think this like endless spell thing that he's painted up yeah i think would not look out of place on the cover of a miniature painting like like hardcover yeah. book which is like ridiculously expensive i do not know how this could be painted any better yeah yeah it's i think honestly i think this has got to stand as like the pinnacle of what is achievable plastic and paint yeah um, yeah it is awe-inspiring um how both like terrifying it looks as a sculpt a figure but the amount of things that are going on in it like all those faces all those eyes that look at you but like that's then built on the like cacophony of like the vortex of all the flames and everything that are coming yeah. underneath but like the more you look at and like look at the tortured souls and faces and that that's sort of like coming out of you, just like the more you look at it, the more you realize like the eyes are looking back at you. It's very disconcerting because <laughs> like there are pupils in all those eyes and they look at you. But not only that, he sort of like put the pupils in places where they actually do look at you. So you sort of yeah. you look at it and they're facing out towards you and like you realize you make eye contact with one face. And then more of them are looking at you. Like they're not all looking at you, but there's enough looking at you just to really give you the eebie-jeebies. Absolutely, yeah. It this is... could be the front cover of a, one of those H.P. Lovecraft um, uh, 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 collected copies, I think, um, uh, collected editions. This this looks like the cover of a horror book. Oh, one hundred percent. This is like a poster of like, yeah. This this is like the cover of a horror book or like the poster for some movie or like a, a yeah. yeah it is i listeners check this out please say if you have an idea of how how miniature painting could be improved beyond this thing please let me know because i truly do not know um mm -hmm. it is that good warren um like if you haven't got this entered into painting competitions get it entered um i think this has got to be um 
like worthy of consideration i think to like any painting competition in the world mm-hmm. um, and i i don't think that's hyperbolic duet um, no 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 absolutely no it's really good standard yeah but then you know because it's when it's warren he's not just you know possibly setting like a new standard and what you do with spells he just knocks off a couple of other amazing figures as well including a another one of his world war ii civilians mm-hmm. uh female f- fighter again i think we've mentioned this before isn't it? something that I, I particularly like that warren does with these world war ii figures is making them real yeah and it's things like you, you see like you know a resistance fighter or something in a black and white photo it's all black and white you never sort of realize oh that dress might be like a polka dot dress that your grand might still have in the cupboard that yeah kind of thing just makes it much more real and then to end on um you know to end you know, hobby support group paints dwarves dwarf mage yep saying like it is it a dwarf mage and this could be you know is it a mage with a wand is it a mage with like a gammon bomb is this <laughs> what what's going on is it actual spells is it nitroglycerine what's going on still in the anvil very simple paint job in this you know just the red and the purples and lots of different shades of red and oranges but just again beautifully done yeah simply done but done so clean and crisp it just looks cracking and yeah. like the the consistent color scheme throughout the whole thing when you know like little bits of like accent colors in one place then like makes some movement and something else it's just like a flow of color throughout the whole thing just looks a really cool D character i think i think if, yeah. if you if you're going to look at a miniature and i think that's something that's we've never really mentioned before but i think if when you're pl- painting up like yourself for like a D character or you're painting one up for a friend i think you need to be mindful that this is like a model that you're probably going to spend maybe hundreds of hours looking at absolutely yeah yeah and going but also it's going to be in loads of different situations. And it's sometimes great having like a really dynamic, you know, action pose figure. But then when they're sort of like involved in like a three hour discussion with the local innkeeper arguing about <laughs> like stabling rates for like their mount while they've been off in a dungeon for the last three months of like in-game time, you maybe don't necessarily want the most sort of like dynamic looking figure. And I know in our Dreamerman campaign, which we've been playing for years, like my character squad, I think I'm on like the third iteration of him. Yeah. Like miniature wise, because you sort of be, either things happen, so you want to sort of rep, you know, represent the changes that have sort of happened to them as a character, or you just get sick of looking at the back of the same <laughs> miniature. It's like, I'm, I really hate that cloak or those shoes. Or, you know, you find some strange machine that turns you go in and it turns you blue or. Yeah, yes. Other well, changes happen to indeed character parties. Um, maybe that's why it, it, all that is sort of like built into doing that. So we just get to keep changing <laughs> character. What weird button does this do? <laughs> oh, new minion. Anyway, listeners, um, thank you for hopefully sticking through us on this week's gallery. I think I've probably given you like enough tangents to sort of like tap out and go. You know, it's, it's, we've we've had enough today. Thank you very much for also sticking with me, Ed. Uh, it's been a pleasure to look through everyone's work with you and thank you listeners we really couldn't do this without you posting all your brilliant work it is a true pleasure 
to look back through whenever we do these and just see what amazing work people post up. And like, oh, I apologize to every listener who I don't comment on their posters, and their posts and the things that they post. If I haven't mentioned it today or if you've posted stuff and it's, it's not mentioned, my only excuse is the Facebook hates me and <laughs> half the time it won't show me anything, um, especially on my computer. And so I do miss some stuff. If I, I've missed you repeatedly, please just drop me a message and I will get Ed to double check who I keep missing out. Um, so please keep sharing your work. We love to see it. We couldn't do this without it. And also, I just want to say thank you truly from myself, Andy, Ed and Ben, who do the podcast, to say thank you so much for the feedback we've got recently on some of the later latest episodes, but also about what the podcast means to you. Uh, like the podcast means a huge amount to us, but you know, it's the community that we've built through it, which is really the, the important thing. And getting some of the feedback that we've had recently about that just makes us want to carry on doing it. And um, yeah, hopefully you continue to enjoy our waffle and we will be back with you next week with probably more tangent filled waffle for you to enjoy. Thank you and good night everyone. Bye. Good night. Um, uh, so